to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a person who knows how I eat impacts in a lot of complex ways. Um, on today's show, we are asking, what are sustainable food choices, and can they allow us to live longer, healthier, and cheaper while protecting the planet and our future? So with us to answer this question is Terry Gibbs um, with Sustainability Associates. Welcome, Terry. Thanks, Laura. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. And we were talking about this because you did this presentation with that title. I did copy that, by the way, with that title at the State Fair. Yes, it was a wonderful experience with very diverse people and really trying to address a wide range of interests, concerns, types of diets and everything. And to actually have us look at like what's possible in terms of eating sustainably. Okay. So uh, what is um, what is the what is a sustainable diet? Yeah, a, a sustainable diet um, in in my understanding is first like, well, what is sustainability? And at the Alliance for Sustainability, we've always defined uh, sustainability as having four things, being ecologically sound, economically viable, socially just, and humane. Humane meaning to embody our highest values, so how we treat people, animals, and the earth. So when that's the lens at which you know, we look at eating sustainably. Those food choices that we make, how do they affect our health? How do they affect energy? How do they infect, affect the environment? How do they affect the animals? How do they affect, you know, just overall our world? Yeah, and you've been at this for a long time. Tell us a little bit about your background. It's quite impressive. Well, thanks. Well, I, I've been very privileged in my life to be able to work in the public sector, the private sector, and the nonprofit sector. I've gotten to work for two congressmen and in the White House under President Carter. Um, I've been able to um, found a nonprofit, the International Alliance for Sustainable Agriculture, which is now the Alliance for Sustainability. Um, I've worked in a number of different businesses. I've gotten to work for Cargill as a grain merchant and an assistant to the chief economist. I've gotten to um, work for the Aveda Corporation as Director of Ecological Affairs and Sustainability. And I have a consulting firm now called Sustainability Associates. So I work with businesses and government agencies and communities and congregations, all different schools, all different types of institutions on how they can save money and be more environmentally and socially responsible. So I've been involved in this for more than 40 years. Oh, and one other thing too, I work for the, I was a co-founder of the Sacramento Community Garden Program. Um, and so that was really my introduction uh, to more sustainable agriculture. And your background is as a uh, as a uh, um, agricultural economic yes. economist. Yeah, it was sort of interesting. I had worked for Jerry Brown when he first ran for governor <laughs> in 1974, and I ran the campaign in Yolo County, which includes Davis, California. And when the campaign was over, somebody um, who's a guy who's the head of uh, housing for the city of Sacramento, I had gotten to know during the campaign, and I was trying to figure out what am I going to do next. I was 22, and I was like, well, okay, well, what what's next? We won the campaign. You know, this is great. He's the governor. And he, this guy, the head of housing said, well, why don't you start a community garden program working with our housing projects in Sacramento? And I had worked with teenage gangs in Chicago. And so I had some background in that. My mom was a social worker. So I had a lot of interest in working with, with kids. And um, so we decided we would have it be an organic garden. And I thought, well, that's cool. You know, it'll be, I don't know much about organic agriculture, but, you know, I don't like the idea of the pesticides around the kids or the animals or anything like that. And so we decided it'd be an organic garden program. A friend of mine uh, who was a farmer, a grape grower, um, who was in the campaign, I gotten to know, I said, hey, you want to do this with me? A guy named Lee Tecklenburg. And so we had a great time, um, like, starting to think about what this would be like, but the Cooperative Extension Service heard that we were going to do an organic garden program in these housing projects in Sacramento. And he was so upset about it that we were going to do it organic. You know, I was surprised that you were saying upset because I was expecting the word. He was so excited about yes, it. Yes, yes. He was would, upset about it. You would it. think, because, but this is in 1974. Um, so it wasn't such a popular kind of thing. And uh, so he 
put his arm around me once and he said, Terry, you know, you have to understand pesticides are so safe. You can put them on your cereal for <laughs> breakfast. And somehow I, I wasn't that knowledgeable, but somehow I felt that wasn't quite right. Um, but he was willing to go along with it. And on the opening day in this housing project in Sacramento, River Oaks housing project where nothing had ever succeeded. And it was very violent and graffiti and all kinds of drugs, you know, all kinds of stuff that was going on there. We began this community garden program in a three and a half acre rubble filled lot. And we got the people, especially kids to clear this area out and literally transformed it into an oasis right in the heart of the city, right along the freeway. It was spectacular what they created. And um, it was so exciting because everybody was so diverse. We had people from all different types of backgrounds. They couldn't even speak to each other in most <laughs> cases. And uh -huh. it was what was so cool was that there were like Chinese Americans that were there that uh -huh. had been in the housing project since they had come from China. So they had been in that housing project for like 20 years or more and really were not able to express themselves in terms of their gardening and, and food self-sufficiency. And they began these gardens that were so extraordinary. Mm -hmm. It was just amazing to see their practices. And because I was working with the extension service, I could talk to the University of California at Davis, which as you may know, is the largest ag school in the world. And so it has a huge impact on the rest of the world. And I could talk with them and, and I'd say, oh, they, they tell me, you know, it's like 110 degrees out and they're growing what's called bok choy. I'd never heard of bok choy and, and they're growing this bok choy this green leafy vegetable. And, and the extension people said, no, no, even top scientists said, no, not possible to grow it in this heat. And I said, well, would you come out and look at it? And the scientists came out and they were blown away by what they saw all types of trellising and types of watering and other kinds of things that allowed it to survive in the heat that these people had brought with them from you know, all the way from China. And it was like a, a whole city. But then we had Indians and Native Americans and we had Chicanos and just all different types and of that's ethnic groups. The same experience I have with open door and gardening with people with yes. all sorts of different types of background and it's a living system. And it it just, is. And it's a great peaceful place and, and we really need that connection with the soil, our microbiome and the connection of the microbiome of the soil and it has so many benefits. It does and and it was, I, I learned so much about so many different people and we worked especially with the young kids. I had about 90 kids and we gave each of them their own garden plot. And it was so interesting because they plant the seed and they expect a plant to grow like right away. So they were very, very frustrated. But as we, we got them to be very patient and what ended up happening was they would grow food. And it was so moving because for the first time in their lives, they actually had something that was theirs and they could actually give it away or enjoy it, but it made a huge difference. And those kids became the protectors of the gardens because they were involved. So instead of causing problems, they actually were helping to maintain this huge space with all these different people. So it was really a profound, profound experience. Then the next thing that happened was we, at the end of our first growing season, and we expanded the garden program all over Sacramento. After the first growing season, though, at this River Oaks, we decided we would have a harvest festival where everybody would grow things from their garden in their own ethnic tradition. And we had ended up having some problems with some of the kids, uh, some of the Chicano kids throwing rocks at some of the Asian American women because of the gibberish that they spoke. That's what they would say. They'd call it gibberish. We couldn't understand. We didn't know what was going on. So they would throw some rocks. So we had this harvest festival. And I will never forget all this amazing food, all these different ethnic traditions. And at one point, uh, the, the kids came over to me, these Chicano kids. And I said, so how is this? And they said, it's great. It's the best. You know, we love this. And I said, well, what's your favorite food here? And they said, oh, that Chinese food, it was so good. And I said, well, do you know who grew that food? And they go, no. And I pointed across the room at the Chinese American women and their faces completely changed. And they, I said, why don't you go over and apologize? And that was the end of the problems in the garden. And 
we had one guy, Johnny Ramirez, who, who was literally bouncing off the walls in his school. And his whole behavior completely changed once he started getting healthy, nutritious, organic food. It was really profound. It is. It's so beautiful. Um, it's very profound. And so sustainable food choices. Um, it's so many benefits. It's community benefits, reducing crime, reducing. We have an epidemic right now of both chronic diseases and anxiety and depression. A lot of these solutions can be garden. I'm not saying everyone's going to go out and garden, but gardening is is having a living landscape. It It is so true what you say. And, you know, and an additional benefit people don't talk about is saving money because the average cost for maintaining one acre of a uh, just a lawn mowered uh, space in a park is $10,000 a year. <laughs> Isn't that and silly? And you can create a community garden for 50 or or $100 a year and it's safe. Because people can go out in the garden as opposed to some parks, you know. So the benefits in terms of saving money, creating safer spaces, affecting the health and well-being of the kids, it is truly, it, it really blew my mind. And improving I, I couldn't soil oil and water and, and so, and yet there's still some resistance. There's a lot of resistance to it. And I, I know uh, one of the guests on last week's show mentioned this fact. I haven't confirmed it, but it, it seems like it's probably true that we have three times as much land in monoculture grass as we do in corn and soybeans in the United States. Yeah, I was I was stunned by that fact. Yeah, and so, and then what, I've been throwing all those pesticides. So and we're going to take a break. We'll we're talk gonna come about back. those. We're going to talk about pesticides. We're going to talk about sustainable living. And then we also want to get into recipes because uh, you're a long-term uh, vegan and vegetarian, so we're going to talk all recipes. You're listening to Food Freedom good. Radio on AM 950 with Terry Gibbs with Sustainability Associates. process of planning your next event, consider D'Amico Catering. Their team brings extensive experience and knowledge to the table to ensure that your event runs smoothly. With over 20 years of event planning and culinary experience, D'Amico has established their reputation as the Twin Cities' premier caterer. They've been trusted to carry out numerous weddings, corporate functions, and nonprofit fundraisers. D'Amico has the right staff to ensure your event is perfectly executed every time. More at D'AmicoCatering.com. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. I'm Connie Bure, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. Let's talk about self-love. Do you possess it? Join us next week as we explore what it means to love yourself and how to put that emotion into action for positive change in your life. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Get away and relax this winter at Big Bear Lodge. Come experience a Northwoods winter in modern yet authentic woodsy cabins. It makes a perfect gift this holiday season for couples who want more together time, families who want more family time, or any winter enthusiast who wants to spend a relaxing weekend in a winter wonderland. And right now, if you book a stay of at least two nights in one of three guest rooms at Big Bear Lodge, you'll get one night half off. Just mention AM950 when you call. Come find your smile at BigBearLodgeMN.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Most of us try to be careful about how we eat and the safety of our food. At Total Dog Company, we believe in giving our dogs nutritious, safe food, too. 
We offer a variety of kibble, canned and frozen and dehydrated raw foods. We study ingredient lists of every food we sell. We don't sell products that are primarily vegetable protein or that contain generic proteins, byproducts, fillers, or artificial preservatives. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. Try to see it my way. Do I have to keep on talking to my candle? You want plants? While you see it with Terry Gibbs with Sustainability Associates. And before break, you're telling us a wonderful story about you uh, working with community gardens way back in the 70s. So it was really a newer concept then. And you said there was a second part of that story you wanted to share. Yeah, it was interesting because um, you asked about being an ag economist. And what was interesting was that after I had worked with the program, um, they allowed us to take classes at the University of California at Davis. And I took some classes and I did really well and I really enjoyed it. And I decided to do a master's in agriculture and applied economics. I didn't know that it would be a math degree, but it really, it was really profound. And so when I was at the university, we began the organic agriculture program at the University of California, Davis. So that was a huge thing. And that's when I really, really started getting interested um, in looking at the possibilities of organic and sustainable agriculture. I was visiting all these great farmers all over. And it was a little bit after that, um, that I had had the chance to, um, uh, I, I worked um, on the East Coast in Washington, D.C. for a congressman on the House Agriculture Committee, um, which was a phenomenal experience. And uh, so I worked on all kinds of legislation. And then I was able to go to Yale School of Management to do a master's in public and private management. Now it's an MBA uh, program. And I, I, when I was in Washington working for the congressman, it was during the tractor cades. And so... I, I, I've got to tell because I yeah. was in D.C. with a family trip during uh-huh. the tractor, the tractor strike in yeah. D.C. and there was a big snowstorm and the tractors actually started clearing out the snow. Is that it when was, you were there? Y- yes, it was amazing. And and when I was there, what was interesting was um, I read a book by Dan Morgan, uh, who uh, was a Washington Post reporter called The Merchants of Grain. And it was about how five grain companies controlled the world's food supply. And so it was at that point that I decided that I really wanted to go inside to be able to understand what was going on with these companies. And of course, the largest of the companies is Cargill. Right. So that was my big hope and desire to get a job with Cargill. And I did. Uh, I brought Whitney McMillan to Yale and uh, we hit it off and they offered me a job. And um, so I had a job lined up with Cargill, which was great. But uh, meanwhile, I had uh, gotten to know Frances Moore LaPay, who had written Diet for a Small Planet and Food First. And she had written, you know, I I was talking with her one day and, and she had written about how we have enough food to feed everybody on the planet, but there are political and economic systems that stop people from getting that food. And I said, you know, Frankie, I totally agree with you, but the way we're growing the food is destroying the planet. So is there any way we could feed everybody without destroying the planet in the process? And she said, I don't know. Why don't you go find out? And it happened at that time that I was in uh, a relationship with a woman who was doing her PhD in anthropology at Yale and was also doing a law degree at Yale. And she was going to go to Borneo, East Kalimantan, the second world's second largest rainforest to look at the impact of transnational timber companies on the indigenous people where they were getting tracts of land they were taking away from the indigenous people the size of texas and destroying the rainforest so she was going to apply her legal and her anthropological skills uh, to doing that and she wanted to get married and um, uh, i had only known her three months i said well i don't think I'm ready to get married yet, um, but I'll come visit. And uh, that wasn't enough for her. (laughs) Um, So she went off and married an old boyfriend of hers and moved to East Kalimantan. But in the meantime, I had decided I was able to get a fellowship and I wanted to answer the question Francis Morlapay had posed to me. Is it possible that we could feed everybody without destroying the planet in the process? And I asked Cargill for time off before I was going to begin with them. I asked them for three months off. And um, they said, sure. And so I began. And I 
ended up, I kept asking for time off. Every three months they would ask and I'd say, you know, I'm traveling. And I would visit cargo facilities around the world. But then um, uh, I had the chance to to actually go to pretty much every type of agricultural system in the world, all over from, you know, uh, Africa and Europe and uh, Asia and Latin America and, and to look at their systems and to meet the top organic and sustainable farmers in the world. It was an amazing experience. And I got the answer to my question. After 45 countries and a year and a half, Cargill said, it's time to come back and start work or forget it. And I decided I will do that. And But my question was answered. And the answer is yes, that we absolutely can. And in fact, the only way that we can feed everybody without destroying the planet is with organic and sustainable agriculture. So that's, that's sort of how that whole thing so. began. What uh, all that wonderful experience? So, what's the answer? Yeah, you... uh, I, I I think that the answer in terms of uh, you know when we talk about eating sustainably is that you know you had this great program on regenerative agriculture. I think that that's fabulous. Organic agriculture. I think that there are a lot of great approaches that people and they have different names for it. Biodynamic. You know, I, permaculture, I yeah. yeah, permaculture is fabulous. So there are a lot of different approaches. I'm I'm not partial to any one approach. I think each one of them sort of shares those same values and and has that effect. And so um, I ended up uh, writing a book called Breaking the Pesticide Habit on Alternatives to 12 Hazardous Pesticides. We created something called the Pesticide Action Network, um, which is still in place. Um, and it really came out of the Nestle boycott. Um, the Nestle boycott, uh, as you may remember, began here in Minnesota, right. in the Twin Cities. And it really um, began with like 20 or 30 people getting together and meeting once a week. There was a group called the Third World Institute um, at the Newman Center at the University of Minnesota. And these people would meet and talk about third world issues and take action, like write a letter or do something. And they looked at the issue of infant formula and how companies like Nestle were marketing infant formula instead of breastfeeding. And what would happen is these mothers... Um, it was really a challenge yeah. for the mothers yeah. because informal costs two to three hundred dollars a year, and that is their total income. But so, they're told that's the way they love their child, and if you're giving them the exactly. formula, then you're loving your child more than if you're doing that dirty breastfeeding, old-fashioned breastfeeding. Back exactly. Stuff, when we know that the breastfeeding is so essential to the living microbiome. Absolutely. And it's, it's free. It's it's free, and w what we know is that. Because it costs so much, they would dilute it. The water they would use was contaminated, so the babies would die from diarrhea. And so this campaign began, and this was before the Internet. So it was extraordinary that this small group of people could create a worldwide movement, the Infant Formula Action Coalition and the yes. Nestle Boycott. Wow. And in seven years, it became the greatest consumer victory in the history <laughs> of the world. And it's that same group of people that created the Pesticide Action Network. After we were done with the Nestle boycott, then we went on to address pesticides. There was a book by David Weir and Mark Shapiro called The Circle of Poison, how pesticides that were banned in the United States were then exported to developing countries where they poisoned people, destroyed the environment, and came right back in our food as residues in our food. And so I wrote a book called Breaking the Pesticide Habit on all these alternatives to 12 hazardous pesticides. And, you know, we developed this, the Dirty Dozen campaign. It was a huge success. Yeah, so obviously people have power, but obviously we've got a lot of work to go. A billion pounds of pesticides are still being used. And Absolutely. so how do we have a sustainable egg system? You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We're talking with Terry Gibbs. I'm Laura Hedlund, and you're listening to uh, AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Are you in charge of the company gifts? Looking for a great work party gift or maybe just something nice for yourself? Hi, this is Richard Piepenberg with Vinaigrette and we're ready for you. We package, gift wrap, and even deliver the finest oils and vinegars so you can simply enjoy the holidays. Since 2009, our family-owned and operated store has specialized in everything vinaigrette. Come in to tap, taste, and treasure. 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis and in downtown Excelsior at 287 Water Street. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. I'm Connie Bure, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. Let's talk about self-love. Do you possess it? Join us next week as we explore what it means to love yourself and how to put that emotion into action for positive change in your life. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Looking to offer high-end restaurant-quality food at your next event? Look no further than D'Amico Catering. Their talented team of event planners and chefs will collaborate to perfect a menu that best fits your needs. Whether emphasizing local cuisine or ethnic flavors, organic bites or summertime favorites, they're here to give you choices that align with your taste, budget, and style. Interested in learning more? Please visit D'AmicoCatering.com. That's D'AmicoCatering.com. This holiday season, think outside the everyday chocolate box. Make a splash with your friends, family, and clients with elegantly packaged artisan chocolates from Chocolat Celeste. Come taste the intoxicating flavor of the finest European chocolate, handcrafted with love by founder and chocolatier Mary Leonard. Mary and her staff will help you understand the kind of chocolate that everyone wants and dreams about. Watch while the recipient opens the box. It's like a beautiful piece of holiday artwork. Then watch them taste the sweet and complex flavors. This holiday season, Chocolat Celeste has created an artisan collection for AM950 listeners. Get 25% off of 6, 12, and 24-piece collections in-store only. A winter-themed truffle box of raspberry, Grand Marnier, peanut butter, key lime, lemon, Thai spice, frangelico, and more. Open 9.30 to 5.30 daily, Chocolat Celeste is located at 652 Transfer Road in St. Paul, just four blocks off I-94 at the Cretan Vandalia exit. Chocolat Celeste, the way chocolate is meant to be. With your AM950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for sunny skies today with a high near 39. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 28. Sunday, sunny with a high near 37. And Monday, sunny with a high around 32. The Downtowner Woodfire Grill is the Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week. It's the perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Their menu is considered American Bistro with lots of delicious options, including fresh wood-fired pizza and daily seafood specials. Located at 253 West 7th Street in downtown St. Paul, more at downtownerwoodfire.com. Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headland, and we're very pleased to have Terry Gibbs with Sustainability Associates um, in studio right now. And uh, Terry, uh, we talked about this at the State Fair because you were giving a presentation there. And in that presentation, you talked about the problems with the standard American diet. I mean, do you want to cover that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's very important. You know, we call the standard American diet sad. Right. And I think there are many reasons why. Um, people don't realize that about 51% of the standard American diet that most people eat is refined processed food. And um, uh, about 42% dairy and animal products, 7% fruit and vegetables. So we're only getting 7% of our fruits and vegetables. Exactly. And, and it's really, really a problem. And of course, um, people are getting calories, but they're devoid of these nutrients, uh, and especially the micronutrients that we so need uh, to be healthy and to ward off all kinds of diseases and aging and cancer and a whole range of different things. So it's really been a major, major problem. Obesity, more than 30% of Americans are now obese, and that, of course, leads then to diabetes and a whole, run, a whole bunch of various diseases that are all related to that, including cancer and heart, heart disease. And, and those things are all preventable. And it, it doesn't, you don't have to be a vegan, but you just to have a more balanced kind of diet instead of this standard American diet. Right. And, and so you've been a vegan for 25 years and a vegetarian for 46? Yes. <laughs> this okay so um describe what's the difference between micronutrients and and 
macro and micronutrients? Yeah, that's a great question because most of us, when we think about nutrients, like I need a protein and, you know, maybe I don't want so much fat and maybe not so many carbs, but those are the macronutrients. And that's what we tend to focus on, those three things. But actually, it's the micronutrients that are far more important to our overall health because whether you're a vegan or whether you're a big meat eater, you probably have too much protein. Too much protein is actually a problem, but it's in our minds we think, oh my gosh, I have to have a lot of protein. That protein actually becomes a real problem for the body. It's just too much. And we've increased it dramatically over the last 50 years with the standard American diet. Right. And I mean, everything is so individualized, so you can't really generalize about everyone. But um, uh, but I do want to um, talk about the very simple diet recommendation that you have, because this, this is pretty simple. Eat fresh fruits, beans, legumes, and all the vegetables, just unlimited amount of those. Yeah, that's what's such a great thing is when... Um, salads and things are, have so many micronutrients in them, and uh, and especially if they're organic, um, they have so many micronutrients and they help the body repair itself. Uh, they help DNA repair, and um, they fight off. They have antioxidants that fight off cancer. Uh, you know, so there are just so many benefits um, from having those. And the problem is, is that. Um, we often fill up with these other other ones, but you can have unlimited amounts of these greens. So you can have huge amounts, and people don't know, but when it comes to the idea of protein, actually things like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage have huge amounts of protein. And they're really good, and they're filled with phytonutrients and all kinds of other micronutrients that have all kinds of health benefits. And so it doesn't mean that you have to stop eating meat, but to just have, a like in most countries, meat is not the main course. Meat may be a condiment that you add to it, but you have mostly vegetables and then grains and legumes, you know, various types of beans. And those are very high in protein. You and know, the, industrial meat, because there's the the CAFO operations are yes. have a lot of environmental consequences. So if you can go to your co-op or Larry Hill Meats that work with independent farmers and they're doing um, soil building, um, regenerative types of agriculture, but um, actually making those conscious choices. But one of the ways to really reduce and eat cheaper and healthier is to really start eating legumes and beans, right? Exactly. And you can still keep eating some of that meat, but you just eat much less of it and have more of these healthy, you know, legumes and uh, grains. Um, And and the thing is, too, that it's far better environmentally. Right. Um, And especially if you do it organically. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and one of the things that I I wanted to just mention that almost nobody seems to be aware of is that um, a a guy um, named, French guy named Chabousseau wrote um, a a while back uh, when I was writing writing Breaking the Pesticide Habit, I included his research, but most people never talk about it because he wrote in French. And, but what he discovered is that most of the pesticides that we use, as well as many of the synthetic fertilizers in conventional agriculture, most of those actually inhibit the uptake of micronutrients by the plant. So what happens is you get on a treadmill where you start applying a pesticide to kill a particular pest, but what happens is it weakens the plant by having that in the soil and then it up, the plant uptakes it. The plant doesn't get all of its micronutrients. So that's a weak plant and insects apl- attack weak plants. That is what's stunning. So the more that you use, the more you're on the treadmill and you have to keep applying more and more. And that was his question. Like, why are we having to apply more and more? Pesticide usage is continuing to go up. So why why is that? And this is the answer to the question. You need more because you are wiping out the micronutrients in the plant so you're attracting the pests to come kill the weak plants. Right. And so, I mean, one of the, the proponents of genetic modification were saying that, hey, we're going to really reduce pesticide use with this new technology, but pesticide use went up. Yes, And a absolutely. lot of that is because it's just 
the soil is so much more complex than we it ever is. knew. There are a huge number of microbes in just a tiny <laughs> teaspoon of soil, and we need to feed those microbes. Um, and that's the power of organic, regenerative, whatever type of agriculture you want to call it, is that we're actually feeding the soil. And here's the key. It feeds us as well, because plants that don't uptake micronutrients are less nutritious plants. So the food system that we have today, the non-organic, non-regenerative, whatever kind of food system, that food system actually has less nutrients for our bodies. And for the first time um, in recent hi in history that we know of, at least, lifespans are going down. Now, some people blame the opioid crisis and other reasons for that, but some look at the food system. And the obesity crisis. I mean, there are a yeah. number of different factors, I think, that play into it, and we need to address all of them. We need to have healthy foods. And, and there are other factors as, as well, because we know that many of these pesticides, we have great studies that showing that these pesticides actually go into the bloodstream of our children and yeah. that and what's amazing is you can stop you can make the change to organic foods grow your own or you know buy them f from farmers when you make that change the pesticide levels in the children drop immediately so we are just giving we we have this load of pesticides that we're putting into our children that are going to have long-term effects. It may not show up for 20, 30 years, but it will show up in cancer rates or right. in other types so of disease. Chlorophyphus and the fight to get over that. And then what's, exactly. what's so tragic is that people with limited incomes and stressed out, more stressful lives are getting more pesticides and the organics are hard to afford. And yes. So, I mean, the system... Is tragic. Yeah, and 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 what's so great though is that we have a choice, and we have amazing farmers today that mm -hmm. know that and are committed to bringing about a shift. We need to educate, and that's why I'm so glad you have your show yeah. to educate people that they actually have a choice have about a choice. the kind of food. And it actually, if you have a sustainable diet, it actually can save you huge amounts of money every year aside from less health costs. So let's talk about legumes, because uh, we want to talk about how to grow them. And so, But legumes really help the soil. They I mean, do. Legumes are just like the friendliest soil things. They help build the soil yeah. with nitrogen because they fix nitrogen. That's the huge advantage that they have. And then they're very high in nutrients themselves. And they're good on fiber and protein. They're great and, for fiber, and, and protein. We had a, we had a show uh, maybe a year ago on uh, uh, the, the renegade farmers that started planting lentils in Montana, and the neighbors thought they were crazy. But now it's a, it's a they're um, they're the largest lentil producers in the United States, and yeah. it's a very valuable crop. So okay, somebody doesn't even know what lentils and legumes are. What's how do you cook? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, a lot of my cooking is based on what my children like, and they have grown up as organic vegans, um, and so we we love tofu. And we can prepare tofu very simply with a stir fry um, that they really love. And you can apply some brags or some kind of tamari, that kind of thing. Or you can use uh, nutritional yeast. <coughs> and all of that, the kids really, really like. So that's one thing. Um, we use something called tempeh. And tempeh can be made from soybeans or various grains. <coughs> and it's an ancient way of having fermented those beans. And it has more protein than chicken does, um, but almost no flavor. So you can cook it, and it'll absorb whatever kind of flavor that you like. Um, and so um, the kids... And then there are a whole bunch of really fast foods, organic, yeah, vegan, fast foods. Organic, vegan, fast foods. So I want to, how do you do organic, vegan, fast foods? Yeah, it's so easy. I mean, there are brands like Amy's mm -hmm. um, that are just so fast, but now... Trader Joe's, all these places now have these great organic vegan substitutes. So whether it's a burrito or an enchilada, very fast, very easy. You can make them yourself and save even more money. Very inexpensive. I, I've written a whole list of um, 
meals that you can do that you can serve that are organic and vegan for a dollar to two dollars a person Ooh, per meal. Wow. So it's really not hard to do Red this. Red lentil sloppy joes is something at Seward Co-op. That's one of the Absolutely. Recipes. Absolutely delicious. There are all kinds of meat substitutes that are coming out. You know, we have things like the Impossible Burger and other types of burgers that you know, if you really love hamburgers, you can eat them far better for you, far better for the planet. And they taste great. I mean, they taste like the real thing. I used to be a meat eater. I used to eat meat three times a day till I was 21 years old. So I know about meat and, and all that. And even for cheeses, because that's a really hard one, especially here in Minnesota, mm -hmm. you know, for people, they love their cheese. And I love cheese, too. Except there are great vegan cheeses called like called Daya or Daya D A I Y A, <coughs> and you can have pizzas with Daya cheese that are you can make very very quickly, and um, there are restaurants that are offering the Daya cheese now because so many people have heart issues or other kinds of health issues, mm -hmm. and they're more and more vegans. So there's a huge amount of interest. <coughs> take a break and uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio and so I want to talk about lentils but also I want to talk about buying lentils one of the cheapest ways to do it is to buy it at the bulk go to the co-op put them in the little bags I actually um, I have these jars and we rotate them yep. but, so we always have a pantry of a variety of lentils yep. and I use it and they're all fast ways. they're fast they're easy they're nutritious very easy yeah so we're going to be talking more about that when we return you're listening to Food Freedom Radio I'm Laura Headland with Terry Gibbs process of planning your next event, consider D'Amico Catering. Their team brings extensive experience and knowledge to the table to ensure that your event runs smoothly. With over 20 years of event planning and culinary experience, D'Amico has established their reputation as the Twin Cities' premier caterer. They've been trusted to carry out numerous weddings, corporate functions, and nonprofit fundraisers. D'Amico has the right staff to ensure your event is perfectly executed every time. More at D'AmicoCatering.com. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. This is Chad, owner of AM950. I've been telling you about my friends at Snap Construction who are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior construction company in the metro. Don't just take my word for it. Take a look at all their reviews online. Winter is the most cost-effective time of the year to complete your construction project. A majority of Minnesotans choose to have their work completed on their home in the summer when they should be enjoying the weather. As a result, the demand for labor in the summer is much higher. The most cost-effective way to improve or restore your home is in the winter due to the lower demand. Right now, Snap Construction is offering an additional 30% off of labor to the AM950 listeners on your next construction project between now and the end of February. Call 612-333-SNAP and mention AM950 for an additional 30% off. As always, Snap Construction stands by their work with a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Don't wait to get a free estimate by calling 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. Financing options available. Seward Co-op, serving the community for over 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations. Seward Co-op stores are committed to local producers and food you can feel good about serving your family and guests. Pre-order your holiday meal from Seward, local free-range Ferndale turkeys, handcrafted traditional vegetarian, vegan, and made-without-gluten sides, perfect for everyone at your holiday gathering. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store at 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coop. Are you in charge of the company gifts? Looking for a great work party gift or maybe just something nice for yourself? Hi, this is Richard Piepenberg with Vinaigrette and we're ready for you. We package, gift wrap, and even deliver the finest oils and vinegars so you can simply enjoy the holidays. Since 2009, our family-owned and operated store has specialized in everything vinaigrette. Come in to tap, taste, and treasure. 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis and in downtown Excelsior at 287 Water Street. Online at vinaigrettemn.com.
studio with us is Terry Gibbs. He's with Sustainability Associates. And we've been talking about what are sustainable food choices and can they allow us to live longer, healthier, and cheaper while protecting the planet and our future? And maybe even protecting us from cancer? I mean, how does tell us about a diet for cancer and... Yeah, you know, it's very interesting that by eating this kind of healthy diet, it can have a huge impact on both if you have cancer or if you're trying to prevent having cancer. And it's not hard um, at all. And Dr. Joel Furman, who does some of the best research, has put together what he calls G-bombs. It's a strange name, but the G stands for eating greens. They're the most nutrient-dense of all the foods that we eat. The B is for the beans, uh, and it's great in terms of anti-diabetes and cancer as well as weight loss. Um, the O is for onions, garlic, uh, and they're very great at anti-cancer. The M is for mushrooms. Uh, they help w not only with cancer, but also with inflammation. The B is for berries. Uh, it protects your heart and also has anti-cancer effects. And the S is for seeds and nuts, which are really great in terms of your heart health, uh, your weight, and diabetes, as well as cancer. So that's sort of, we just think about G-bombs and try to make sure that those are part of your diet because those are very, what we call, nutrient-dense healthy foods, and especially if you have organic ones. Right, and these can be affordable, even, when, they, even when they're organic, they can be affordable. So, um, and I know we've done beans in the crock pot for 30 years, you know, just collect a bunch of beans, throw in a lot, a lot of garlic, mm -hmm. <laughs> and some really hot peppers, and let that sit in the crock pot, and find all sorts of meals to make with it, everything from using it in a burrito to soups. And, and like really you simple. say, they can be done very quickly and very easily. It doesn't take a lot of skill. They can have great flavor. And you can also make great soups, which is also another way to, to get lots of nutrients and, uh, you know, get enough liquids. And there are so many different types of lentils, like the teeny tiny red lentils. Yes, they cook I really love fast. Those. I dull. do too. Really dull. Yeah. They, they cook so fast. And I, I did dull with some couscous and veggies and spices and uh, it may have taken me five minutes, yeah. even with the prepping and the cutting, and then just let it sit there on the stove for 20, 30 minutes, and voila. Yeah. And and then I like to, I cook for the freezers because, you know, I'm going to put some away so I can grab it, grab a quick lunch down I'm the with line. you. That's, I that's, like to be able to have those really quick meals. Really quick meals and really trying to keep that budget part. So, Because, yeah. I mean, so many people, there's almost this misperception that, oh, organic, that's like expensive food. And it's just... Um, but when I eat like that, how does that affect the planet? Yeah, I, what, what's really amazing is that a plant-based diet has a huge benefit for the planet um, in terms of something that we don't talk much about, but is in terms of the amount of carbon that we release uh, in the world. Um, the, the carbon comes from the carbon pollution comes from a number of different sources. One is from the pesticides, because those are all made from petrochemicals in the conventional food system. It comes from the fertilizers that are also from petrochemicals. So we're using a lot. It comes from all of the pumping that we're using to have all of the irrigated crops that we then feed to the animals, which is incredibly inefficient, um, taking some cases 20 times more than if a human just ate those foods in terms of being able to get the nutrients. And then we have the animal issue. And the animal issue is is got a number of different parts because the cows are going to emit methane. And <clears throat> it's a, a big inconvenient truth, but the methane from the cows is far like 21 times more of a pollutant, a greenhouse gas pollutant, than is regular carbon. And the thing, but the good news is that that release of greenhouse gases from the animals, from just their digestive processes, the great news about that is that methane in the atmosphere only lasts eight years. So if we ate less meat, we could have a huge impact immediately on addressing climate change. And there just are some very powerful statistics in terms of the kind of impact that we can have um, uh, by doing this. And it can have this kind of benefit immediately. It's something like $53 trillion or $50 trillion in reducing greenhouse gas costs 
by just making a changeover to eating less meat. That's not even a vegan diet, but just eating less meat. So some places are doing like meatless Mondays, uh, all kinds of organizations. So you don't have to give it up, but just making that transition and, and again, can have a huge sourcing impact. Sourcing your meat from local farmers, because um, some in the regenerate, a lot in the regenerative movement, you know, you also need the animals on the land. That's actually better for the for sustainability, but not in our industrial system. And it definitely would mean a reduction of eating the meat. So avoiding the industrial system altogether. Exactly. Absolutely. Let's talk about this in terms of respect and justice and, and animal life, because that's the other thing that's just so tragic. I mean, what we do to cats and dogs, if we did to cats and dogs what we do to to cows and pigs, there would be total outrage. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, I have visited sustainable agriculture systems with animals all over the world. And I wrote a book about it with the Humane Society of the United States called The Humane Consumer and Producer Guide. And we looked at uh, 400 or so of the top humane sustainable agriculture farmers um, in this country and then wrote up about them. And and I visited systems all over the world. And it is possible to actually have humane treatment of these farm animals. Mm -hmm. They still have to be killed, so you have to deal with that part. But in terms of their environmental and health impact, it is far better. And they're humane systems. So instead of crowding the chickens into a tiny little cage uh, where they're kept for two years and then slaughtered, I mean, they could live much longer um, these egg-laying chickens, but their meat would become too hard. And we take them and then we slaughter them and they become Campbell's ch chunky chicken soup. Um, but um, they could live a, a long life and, and have a, a great life. And so I visited lots of systems where the animals are allowed to be outdoors. So we could actually do it. And the animals themselves are not only healthier, but so is their so the is food that, they And provide. then also there's been some cool studies about farmers making more money. Like you do tree, tree range. You have the yes. hazelnuts. And the hazelnuts Absolutely. are feeding the chickens and the chickens can hide. Absolutely. You know, and the other thing you did with your presentation that I thought was really sweet is you actually have some uh, perspectives from a variety of religious viewpoints. Yes. There, I think there are so many great teachings in every different spiritual tradition about humane treatment of, of animals. And, um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, in Ecclesiastes, it says that for that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth the beasts, even one thing befalleth them. As one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that the man hath no preeminence above a beast. Which is so different than what I thought was the belief on the dominant system. Absolutely. But wow. Yeah. And, you know, I, in the, our original ancestors were vegetarians. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I think that that was, that was a big change uh, to, to make that change. And I, so I think, you know, whether it's from Gandhi, who said, I want to realize brotherhood or identity, not merely with the beings called human, but I want to realize identity with all life, with such things as call upon the earth. Identity with all life, in a free way. So if yes. you've been listening to Food Freedom Radio, Terry Gibbs of Sustainability Associates. It's been a pleasure. And, um, and so look forward to learning more about you. And... Um, Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Laura. Appreciate it. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.